The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. Have you ever been so angry that you want to die? Say I. Have you ever been so angry that you want to kill someone? Metaphorically, say I. I just wanted to see which one was more. And now I'm nervous. <laughs> Because you all heard which one was more. Um, today we're continuing our series in Jonah, and we're coming to the last chapter of Jonah. We're in Jonah chapter 4. And, and in this series, God's divine chase, divine love toward Jonah, it's an amazing thing. And, and if you are just catching up with us today, if you're new, welcome. I'm glad you're here. Um, my name is Ryan, and I'm your pastor. And, and it's an incredible story of God saying, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah went the opposite direction. We know the story if you grew up in church. And then on the ship, the storm came, and Jonah said, It's my fault to the sailors. Toss me overboard. And at first they didn't want to, but then they relented and tossed him in. When they did, the sea went calm. The fish swallowed Jonah. And uh, in that moment, Jonah prayed and said, God, I've, I've done wrong. I'll do whatever you told me to do, which is what you're going to say when you're inside the gut of a fish. And then it, the Bible says that the fish vomited him up, and if you remember, I, I don't like to talk about the original language a ton, but I just love the word for vomit in the Hebrew is cut. Um, that's the he actual Hebrew pronunciation. So if you ever feel like you've been cut up, um, you're in a good company with Jonah. And then Jonah landed on the shore, went to Nineveh, preached the worst sermon of all time. He didn't tell the Ninevites how to get free, how to find salvation. He just walked around the city and said, in 40 days, you're going to be overthrown. And because of that terrible sermon, God relented. And that's where we're going to pick up our story today in Jonah chapter 4. And we're going to be in Jonah chapter 4 for three weeks. We're going to squeeze these 11 verses. And I need you to understand today that we're talking about anger and bitterness and disappointment. And not only just going to talk about them, but how to overcome them. Things to do according to God's word that can help you find freedom and peace because as far as I can tell, I've never met someone that loves being angry. Uh, so we're going to read the passage. I'm going to read the entire passage from verses 1 to 11, and we're going to do that for the next two weeks and just squeeze as much of the juice that we can out of this. So if you could uh, flip there, scroll there, or look behind me on the screen, it'll be up. We're going to read this and then bring it to the Lord. This is Jonah, right after the Ninevites repent, right after God says, I'm not going to destroy them. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was, what does it say, fam? Angry. Angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, O oh Lord, is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? This is why Jonah did not want to go. He said, that, that is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah ran because he wanted them to be destroyed, the Ninevites, this evil civilization who had done horrendous things to those who they conquered. Verse 3, therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me. He's angry. He's so angry he wants to die. For it is better for me to die than to live. Some of you have been there. Some of you might be there. And the Lord said, do you do well to be angry? I love it when God asks questions like that. Jonah went out of the city, and he sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat under it in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. He was still holding out that maybe God will destroy them. Maybe they won't actually repent. Maybe they won't actually turn to God. So he went outside the city hoping that they would be destroyed. Now the Lord God appointed a plant 
and made it come up over Jonah that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. I know that as Floridians, um, we all value shade right now. I can tell because of the way you guys park out here. You can tell the people who just moved here, they got stationed at McDill, they park in the sun, their windshield's going to face it all day long. But I've been in Florida now for three years. Any parking lot I go to, I used to go to the first spot closest to the store. Now I'm like, I'm going to go where it's shady now and for the next three hours. That's how you know you're from here. And if you're just fresh into Florida, welcome. That's a free tip for you. You don't have to give extra for that one. So here's what happens. Jonah's glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm. What did he appoint? A worm. Big plant for shade, little worm. This little worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. When the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, it is better for me to die than to live. This guy is not a happy person. But God said to Jonah, do you do well to be angry for the plant? And he said, yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, you pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should not I pity Nineveh, that great city, in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle? And that's how a book of the Bible ends. I'm pretty sure it's the only book of the Bible that ends with the word cattle. I, I love this picture. Um, I was a, a very angry uh, human, and uh, it doesn't matter why I was angry. I'm not even 100% sure. I'm super pro-therapy, and I had gone to therapists, uh, especially in my late teens, because of my anger issues. Um, and it could have been a number of things, but, but what I realized... Uh, later in life from about 12 when I started getting in fights until about 16 when I became too big for people to want to fight um, was that if I got angry I could control a situation. Now that's a bad thing to have in the back of your mind. Um, there might be some fellow angry people in here with me and they'll tell you all sorts of tactics and, and this is how angry I was. If uh, in my mid-teen years, 15 years old, my alarm would go off, I would destroy my alarm clock. Like it's that level of anger where it goes off and I was so angry already about this thing interrupting my sleep that I would destroy alarm clocks and destroy alarm clocks. When I went to my first counseling meeting in my mid-teens, um, that was one of the things my mother told the counselor. She said, he destroys alarm clocks. And like when, when that's the level of anger you have, you know it's bad. But, but here's what it had become for me because anger is a temporary flare-up of emotions. But if you let anger or disappointment or fear take over your life, it creates bitterness. And bitterness, much like the, the feeling you get in your mouth when you eat something bitter, it's that same sensation for your soul. So, so as we're going to unpack this, I need to pray because there's, there's got to be something supernatural that happens in our hearts today if you want to overcome anger and bitterness. So that's what I'm going to ask God to do. Father, we, we've read the story of Jonah, and now we're going to unpack this for our lives. But Lord, words can only move us so far. Songs can open our minds and focus our eyes heavenward. But Lord, we need your spirit to come down from heaven to change us from the inside out. 
Lord, we need you to give people who are angry the honesty to say, I'm an angry person. We need you, God, to give people this morning who have pockets of bitterness in their life to be able to bring them to the surface so that they can be redeemed, so that they can leave their bitterness at the cross and find the peace that their soul is looking for. Lord, I cannot do this with my words. Only you can do this by the power of your Spirit. So Holy Spirit, move in this place. Don't let people walk out of here with bitterness and anger that they brought through the doors. Lord, don't let people hide and pretend that their bitterness or their anger is not that big of a deal. Help us, Lord, to be overcomers today in Jesus' name. Amen. When I was uh, at the end of my angry stage, uh, I had gotten in fights with drywall. That's not good. I'd gotten in fights with stucco walls. That's even dumber. I came to know Jesus. And it, and between not knowing Jesus and knowing Jesus, God did something in my heart. I wish he would do it for all people, but he doesn't for whatever reason. But he took my anger from me. And I've only been angry three times since I've been a follower of Jesus over uh, just about 20 years now. Three times that I would classify as like that level 10 anger. And, uh, and my mom noticed right away. And my mom at this time was not yet following Jesus. And she said, what happened to you? I said, Mom, I'm following Jesus. He changed me. And the next week, she went and enrolled my two younger brothers, who are much younger than me, in Christian school. I said, Mom, do you believe in Jesus now? And she says, I don't know about that, but whatever God did to you, I want him to do it to them. <laughs> didn't go to church, didn't change her, but she said, you are such a terrible human. If God can do this, Imagine what he could do with my other kids who are normal. This was, this was the level of anger that my mom saw could be overcome by the power of Jesus. Now, if you're bitter here today, um, I recognize that something's going to happen. I'm going to say, we're going to talk about anger and bitterness, and, and what's the initial soul of the bitterness in your, in your spirit going to do? Well, I'm not bitter at all. Or could be even worse. I could be talking about anger and bitterness, and maybe you're sitting next to someone who knows that you are as pleasant as a cactus. And maybe they're thinking in their head, I sure hope that they're listening. If that's you, don't do that today. I need you to understand that bitterness is a, a sneaky emotion. Uh, how many of you have heard the story of Ruth in the Bible? Anyone heard the story of Ruth? If you, didn't, if you haven't heard of it, it's okay. It's another four-chapter book, just like the book of Jonah. In the story of Ruth, it's one of the most famous passages about bitterness because there's a woman named Naomi, and she and her husband and two sons go to a land of Moab during a time when there was not food in Israel. And the sons find these women to marry, but in the scheme of them living out of their country, the husband dies, the sons die, and Naomi, which means pleasant, is left with just her two daughter-in-laws. And she says, I've got to go back to Israel. And one of the daughter-in-laws, Ruth, who the book is named after, goes with her. And when Naomi gets back to Israel, she's lost her husband, she's lost her sons, and she's got one daughter-in-law. And she tells the people this. She says, do not call me Naomi anymore, which means pleasant. Call me Mara, which means bitter, for the Almighty has dealt bitterly with me. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. I need you 
today to think about this. I, I don't want bitterness or anger or disappointment. Don't let those things, don't let bitterness change your name. Don't let bitterness change the person that you are. That's all that bitterness wants to do is to take you from being a pleasant person, a peace-filled person, a joyful person, and it wants to make you a Mara, a bitter person. When things don't turn out the way that you think they ought to, you can look to someone else to blame. You can get mad. You can get bitter. Jonah in this story blames God. Naomi blames God. Some of you here have been blaming God for things for a long time. But don't let bitterness give you that new name. When disappointment, anger, fear, when those three components decide to make a baby inside your soul, it's bitterness. And that child grows and gets stronger and stronger. My, Bella, my, my newest baby, um, she's my favorite right now. She, um, she's a month, no, she's almost six weeks old. And she, she just started holding her head up. My, my favorite thing about babies is when they can't hold their head up. Do you, do you guys remember that? Some of you are like, your kids are 30, and they're holding their heads up for a long time now. But Bella was just a, she's got such a big, beautiful, perfect head, but she's got her daddy's head. It's too big for her body. So for the last four, we just, you know, and we're trying to teach the, her siblings to hold her well. Um, Jackson's got it because he's older. Silas, not so much. Um, Savannah wants to pick Bella up all the time, but Savannah doesn't comprehend, like, you've got to hold this baby's head. Well, last night, I, I put Bella kind of like on my stomach, like her knees were on the bed, and I put her stomach on my stomach to keep her awake. I just keep flipping her over like a pancake, and that keeps her awake. And, um, and all of a sudden, she just lifted up her head. Mm. Mm. And she's looking around. And I said, Amy, Amy, come here. Look at this. Look at Bella. She's lifted her head up. And this is how crazy. And if you don't remember this season of life as parents, just remember the pure joy that it brings when you get excited because a baby can lift up their head. Like, if you can get happy about that, the bills don't even matter. It doesn't matter that, like, your water bills more or less. It doesn't matter that your AC bill right now is excruciating. None of that matters because my baby can lift up her head. Now she's going to get stronger. And she's going to become a savannah strength one day. Savannah strength is the kind of strength that's it's compact. She's strong-willed. If you tell Savannah no, she thunders upstairs like she has a vendetta against the stairs. And then she's going to get stronger like Silas' strength. Silas is, um, he's, what I would, he's, he's what I wished I could have been. For those of you who don't know, I'm half Asian. And Asians, we, we manage our bodies differently. Like if you've seen um, pictures and documentaries of Asians or if you've seen pictures of my family, really, some of my family, they do that thing where they sit like this just like for no reason. Like we, we as Americans, we sit in chairs. I'd have aunts and uncles, and the reason she's laughing is because she's Filipino with me, put it up for the Pinoy power. They just sit like we're having a barbecue. Hey, uncle. Hey, auntie, cousin. Just sitting there. Silas does that all the time. He'll sit there, he'll go to the monkey bars, and he could just dangle. He just dangles. Now, he doesn't look like an Asian. He's an undercover Asian is what I call him because he's blonde. He's my blonde kid. So that he just, he's got none of my genes, and I barely look Asian. My dad's genes got whooped in the womb. And then, and then it's going to be Jackson's strength. Jackson is obsessed with being strong. Now, if you know my son Jackson, he's built like me. He's a wire. He's a string bean. But he can beat 
the grandma's in arm wrestling now. And it's fabulous to watch. He's trying to take out Grandpa. Um, he's got his eyes on you, Charlie. He's like, I'm going to take down Grandpa. I think he works out just to beat him in arm wrestling. And then he says, Daddy, after Grandpa, I'm going to beat you. And I'm like, dude, Grandpa's over 70. I'm a man's man. And what I'm not telling him is I'm going to cheat if he ever gets close to beating me. We, we know how kids grow. We know how we grow. We know how we can get strong or get weak. What we never realize is that sin issues that are deep-seated soul issues, they grow with a similar pattern. You don't go from peace-filled, joy-filled to angry, rage, bitterness, full person. It starts with a small seed. It, it starts as an infant, and it grows, and it grows, and it gets stronger. I need you to become aware, to look internal, to look inside of yourself, to say, is there an area where I've let anger get the best of me? Is there an area where I already know that I'm bitter? If, if you're here and you're a bitter person, you, you don't need this part as much. But if you're here and you're like, oh, I don't think I'm bitter, um, I am so happy for you, guard your heart because bitterness wants to find a way in. And here's why this matters. I've never met someone that I want to be like who is a bitter person. I, I have this philosophy as, I, as I'm growing older. Um, I love how, and I don't know what age it is, so someone can help me out, uh, because we're, we're generally a pretty young church. We're, so we're between you know, mid-30s and to the upper 50s where our average range is. But, but somewhere along the way, have you noticed that people can wear whatever they want? Like, you know the old man that wears whatever he wants? You know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Just take a look around. There comes an age where I get to wear plaid pants. I get to wear mismatching shirt. I get to wear crazy hats. And I get to call everyone beautiful and kiss them all on the cheek, which seems creepy to me because I'm in my late 30s. But I see these guys, and they've got mismatched socks. Their pants are too high. I went on vacation in Longboat Key uh, last week, and I went to the Publix there that was like surrounded by a golf course, and it was full of the type of people I want to be when I grow up. Just these guys that don't care. They, would, they had polo shirts. Maybe half of it was tucked in. They had the pants, and I'm like, dude, if it rains, you are prepared and they just didn't care. They walked around, I don't care. I think what happens is you've already been judged your whole life for a million things, and you get to that point in life where you're like, there's no one left to judge me except God. <laughs> so I can wear what I want. I don't have to fit in anymore. So I've already planned it out, and I tell my wife all the time. I tell her, babe, whenever I realize that I'm at that age, I'm dressing like a golfer every day. Every day of my life, no exceptions. I'm going just the most ostentatious purple shirts. I'm getting, I want to get those shorts that are the ones like right here. You know what I'm talking about? Like right now I see people wear them that are like 19 because they're like some, there's some trend or those weird um, things that I can't wear now because I've pretty much been stuck in the same style since I was a teenager. I think that happens to us. I'm stuck in like a beach dressing style for the 90s, and this is what we wore when we had to do something fancy as a Southern California kid. But, 
but I can't wait to wear all the crazy stuff. You know, the Justin Bieber looking stuff? I, Jared, our student community director, walked in this morning and wait till he does announcements. You should all mock him. <laughs> He's got these skinny jeans on and these long shirts, the ones that Justin Bieber used to wear or wears. I tried to wear those, those long Bieber shirts, but they just look like normal shirts to me because I'm tall. I'm going to wear it all. <laughs> I'm not going to care anymore. Uh, here's what I don't want. Because as much as I want to be that fun-loving, happy, peace-filled guy, I want to be the, the older person who, when, when they see me, when my family sees me, when my kids see me, when my grandkids see me, they're going to call me whatever name, and it's going to be an affectionate name. They're going to say, I want to go over to, to Grandpa T's house because he's fun. I don't want to be that person that we all know. They're just miserable. Anyone know the miserable old person? Don't say anything. Miserable young people, I don't like to know. But, but if people hang on to that bitterness, it grows. There have been people that I've sat with and I've thought in my head, I think maybe you should just die. I didn't say it out loud, but everything was a complaint. This is so bad. This hurts so much. I can't stand this person. I can't stand this aspect in my family. Because two of the churches I've worked at, the average age was over 60. So I would sit across from these people, and you could tell this type of person, they, they fought against anger and bitterness and disappointment and frustration. This type of person let bitterness grow, and it became an oak in their life. And there was no joy this matters because none of us want to be that person. I've never met the person who says, you know what, when I retire, I want to be the angriest guy on the block. I've never met that person that enjoys it. I've met them, but they don't enjoy it. Those people are called HOA people. <laughs> They're just so terrible. Or even worse than HOA people, are people who pretend they're on the HOA, but they're not. You know what I'm, are you tracking, Fishhawk? People who walk by and they're like, house 1120 has the wrong type of bark. When I was six months into pastoring here, um, we needed some mulch, and we needed to remulch again, I, I, we've noticed. But we needed some mulch, so I just went to Lowe's and got a bunch of bags of mulch. I'm just going to remulch this job. Someone said, you got the wrong kind of bark. I got tree bark. Is there a bush bark I'm unaware of? Well, if you're going to live in this community, if you want to be a part of this community, maybe I don't. <laughs> when things happen on the neighborhood area pages, holy cow. I quit watching soap operas when I moved here three years ago. I just watched the Fishhawk area neighborhood page. I don't need to watch Days of Our Lives for drama. I go on and find the real stuff. <laughs> I couldn't even go on this week because um, I was like, the sermon illustrations will be endless. But what if I use one of these and they visit? <laughs> now here, here's the last reason. It's um, the, the power of this passage 
And we're really just kind of going through verse 5 today. The power of, of Jonah's angry bitterness and wanting to die sits with God's question. Do you do well to be angry? In verse 4, do you do well? Does it help you to be angry? And here's why this week has been hard for me. Here's what I've been wrestling with. Here's why I wanted to avoid this. I, was, I wanted to shorten this text. I knew from the beginning we're going to do three weeks in Jonah chapter 4, which is a lot for us. And I thought, you know, I'd rather just skip the week on bitterness. Because um, I had to confess things this week that I had been bitter about. I had to go to God and say, God, I've been angry and bitter about situations in my life that are outside of my control, which is what leads us to anger and bitterness. We get angry to regain control. We think it gives us an edge up, and it doesn't. So I had to go to God and say, God, I've been bitter. I've been bitter at friends who have hurt me. I've been bitter at uh, people who have let me down, and I've just held on to it. You can, you can paint on a face. You know, it's, uh, it's not just women who like makeup that put on a face in the morning. It's all of us. You can, you can put on the smile. You could put on the happy eyes. You could put on the happy voice. If you want to appear to be happier, you could literally, if you jump up and down for 30 seconds before going into a meeting, your body will have already created the biological uh, effects to make you happier. Just jump up and down for 30 seconds, and you'll be happier. But it's, it's not the lasting happiness. It's not the happiness that's the rock. It's not the happiness and the joy and the peace that you can cling to when life falls apart. Do you do well to be angry? I wish that we could have a non-angry church family, that we could approach each other with grace, in my quest of asking God for forgiveness for bitterness, um, it was clear as crystal. He said, I want you to write your friend. I want you to write your friend, and I want you to tell them you forgive them, and I want you to let go of the anger and bitterness you're holding toward them. Now, that's hard for me. Um, for those of you who have been around know my story, because I, I, was, um, I had abuse in my past as a child, and then my friend abused uh, someone in his family. So for me, that's the top-level thing. I don't like you. I despise you. And I grew angry and bitter over the last 13 months. And God said, write, write them and forgive them. Write them and let go of your bitterness. Don't preach about bitterness until you let go of your bitterness. So that's what I've done. So what can you do, though? How do you overcome it the moment that anger begins, how do you prevent it from becoming bitterness? The moment the disappointment begins, how do you prevent that from becoming bitterness? I'm a huge fan of Mr. Rogers. Now, for those of you who don't know, and you have littles, if you have littles like some of my littles, Mr. Rogers' uh, company produced a new show called Daniel Tiger. It's pretty much Mr. Rogers just re reborn into the puppet characters. Daniel Tiger was in the original Mr. Rogers. And there's these songs that they sing, and they're catchy. Daniel Tiger, in one episode, says, and I, I can't do it without the jingle, so pardon me. When you feel so mad that you want to roar, take a deep breath and count to four. Yeah. It's weird that me and a teenager know the same song. I'm going to go dress like an old man today. And that's good. My, my kids do that. Because literally, Savannah actually roars when she gets mad. 
So she hears this song, when you feel so mad that you... So now I get scared if Savannah doesn't stomp away and just goes, one, two, three, and no! Because <laughs> she'll count to four, and then five, six, seven. You know, as parents, we do that, right? If you don't get here in three seconds, and it's, you could tell a lazy parent from a disciplined one, because a lazy parent will be like this, one, I ain't going to get up off this couch, two, 2.2. Your kids know that you're weak. Now, I've changed that. I, picked, I actually picked up a similar tactic from a business leader named Mel Robbins. Um, she was having a, a horrendous time of feeling disappointed and growing bitter and letting anger take control, and it, it paralyzed her from making any decisions. And that's why she came up with this. Um, and I've stolen it, and I've used it all week, and it's been magnificent. Instead of counting up, count down, and, and count down from five. Mel calls it the five-second rule, and this is not the rule where you drop like your licorice on the floor at the movie theater and you brave E. coli because you picked it up within five seconds. It's not that rule. This is a different five-second rule. Get rid of that E. coli-driven, salmonella-looking one. If you drop something on the floor in the movie theater, don't touch it. But I want you to try this for application. To prevent anger from growing to bitterness. To prevent anger from turning into action. To see anger where it's at and grab it. Because, because 2 Corinthians 10 says we are to hold every, take every thought captive. Every thought that we have in our mind, you grab it and you take it captive for Christ. To obey Christ. Because anger in itself is not a sin. The Bible says be angry and do not sin. Now, I've never met the person who can do that. I've met a lot of Christians who say that. This is a righteous anger. I think it's just probably a dumb, self-centered, prideful anger. It's hard to be righteously angry and not sin because we are human beings. We have fallen, broken parts within us. But here's how you take a thought captive. You have to, first of all, be able to think. When you're in your emotional state, when your name is being changed from pleasant to bitter, from peaceful to rage, count down from five. And I've been doing it this week like this. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. And then I react. My kid does something. Before, I was just, and I, I told you guys a couple weeks ago, I've been working on my snappiness with my children. So I said, okay, I'm going to take five seconds. Because in the moment that anger enters you, it's like a flood. It's like that time when, um, if you remember the hurricane last year, it might be too soon because I know some of us are like freaking out for hurricane season this year, but it was amazing to see when Irma took all the water out of the bay. Do you guys remember those pictures? Down at Bayshore, it was just mud, and people were out there dancing, selfie snapping, Instagramming, and then when it came back in, it just came in with the storm. That's how anger floods into your life, and what happens in your, in your heart when anger rises up, it's not going to it's not just going to come in and let you control it. But you need to say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to re-engage because anger is coming from a different part of your brain than it's not your, your prefrontal cortex. If you want to engage that part, that's the strategic, planning, thinking, reasoning part of your brain. It's helpful to, to engage it. So if you count backwards, it's not something that you guys do every day. Now, you will get used to it. But if you count backwards, it forces you to actually think and say something. So where you were operating in the purely emotional aspect of your brain that's driving you to react quickly, 
Now you can say, okay, I want to react. All you need is a half a second. If you go past that half second, anger will win. But if you catch it and say, I'm angry, five, that fast. I am so disappointed, five, four, three, two, one. The reason I count down is because when I get to one, it forces me to make a decision. It forces me to either walk away or engage, but in a different way now that I'm re-engaging the thinking part of my brain. This is how we can practically, biologically, begin to overcome anger. It's not a natural countdown. You have to make a choice when you get to zero. Otherwise, some of you are so angry, it'll be like you're just rising the thermometer temperature of your anger. One, two, three. Have you noticed that when you're counting up for your kids, you get angrier with each number? So count backwards. Take the thought captive to obey Christ. I, um, I went crabbing, and I shared a little bit about this. For those of you who are new to Florida, welcome. For those of you who have been here, did you realize we have a free ocean of food? I've been here for three years. Why none of you told me about crabbing is beyond me. It is the cheapest and funnest way to get a full meal for a family of six, even though I only ate all of the crabs myself. You go to Ace Hardware, you get some rope. You go to Publix, you get some raw chicken legs. You tie them around the chicken legs. I put two and then three. I had two strings going out in water about this deep at sunset. Um, you put on bug spray or you'll get assaulted by what I found out are very real creatures called no You might not see them, but you can feel them quite a lot. Um, <laughs> right as the sun sets, I got a net from Ace Hardware, a net about this big around and a handle about that long. My whole family's on the beach because they think I look ridiculous. I put the chicken out, one crab comes. And I, I hadn't learned my crab tactic. I was like, I got to get them. And I was trying to catch them and hit them and, and do all sorts of things, trying to put the net on this side so they'd walk in. Crabs are smart, quick, and shifty with their little sideways moving, and they know where you are. They've got eyes that do this, so, so you can't sneak up behind them because they'll just be like, whoop. It's the parent eye, eye in the back of the head. So I had to learn how to catch these crabs. And then as this, after the sun went under the horizon, if you want free food, this is free news for you. I, if I had someone else with a net, I could have doubled or maybe tripled my crab intake because for 30 minutes, as fast as I could run out to my chicken in this deep of water, I was lifting up the string. I found out a way to do it. Instead of chasing them, trying to get them into the net, I found out if you gently lift up the string while they're holding onto that raw chicken leg, they float up. And once they get off the sand, all of their legs are like, Gah. and then you put the net under them and just go right up and they just fall in. Then you go back and you throw them in your ice, ice water because it paralyzes them and keeps them fresh. I just kept going out and then back in and then out and then back in. And Charlie and my wife were like, get out your cameras. This looks ridiculous because I'm running out and running back in. And no one's thinking because I didn't think about this. There were so many crabs I was excited. My cooler was not just like on the shore. It was like on the shore and down the beach another 30 yards. So I'm catching one crab running all the way back putting it in, going back, and they're just watching me. Like, not even like, I'll bring your cooler closer to you because you can only walk 30 feet and triple your crab intake. No, they're just laughing. They're getting bit up by the no Can you feel them? And then I got done, and I was like, I don't know, 15, 20 crabs deep. Um, if I tell the story next week, I'm going to be like, it was 30 or 40 crabs because I'm a fisherman, right? And um, I just steamed them all. I ate them. But I learned I learned how to catch those, those stinking little crabs because at first it was bad. It looked like, um, I, I'd imagine if you were watching from the shore, 
I looked pretty foolish because I couldn't catch a crab, these little blue crabs, because they would go this way, and I'd go this way. They'd go that way, and I'd go that way. I tried to scoop them, couldn't scoop them, because somehow they can swim a little bit with those little claw things. They just come up out of my net. And then I tried to put the net on top of them. But those crabs, they can dig like moles, and they dig down. It wasn't until I learned the, the technique, pull up the string slowly, get that net under them, put them in ice water, take them home and eat them, because veganism is dumb. For the, sorry. For those of you who don't know, I was a heavy meat eater. I did a 30-day vegan experiment that lasted like a long time, like over 60 days, because I was so happy, and I was like, oh, I'm losing all this weight. It feels so great. But then I just wanted joy in my life, so I began eating crabs and fish again. I'm not eating butter and dairy or cows, or, and it's not like an animal thing for me. It's just a, a thing where it's like I wanted to get in shape because Florida had put gravy into my blood. But, but I had to learn. Now, for you, the five-second countdown might not be the tactic that works for you, but if you don't learn what tactic it is, you're giving anger and bitterness and rage, you're giving them a foothold into your life, you're giving them a way to creep in, to sneak in, to destroy things. For me, it works. For me, I'll say it out loud, and I'm curious to know when my kids are going to pick up on it or my wife's going to pick up on it, because now I'm using it not just for anger, rage, bitterness situations. Now I'm using it just to make any decision, because it, uh, physiologically, your brain will try to talk you out of things that are uncomfortable and difficult, like getting out of bed in the morning. I've been doing it. I've been just launching out like a rocket because I hear my alarm once, and I go, five, four, three, two, one, and I'm up, and I love it. When I think, ah, oh, I should do some push-ups right now to get my blood flowing, if I don't count down, I think, oh, I'll do it next hour. When I think, oh, I should, I should go tell my wife, I love her. I should go up when she's doing the dishes and say, hey, babe, I got this. Let me do this. I'll tell you when I'm not counting down. When that diaper smells poopy, I ain't counting down nothing. I'll be like, one, two, three. I'm out of here for me. <laughs> I've gotten out of it. Don't tell my wife. Well, she's not going to be here today. Um, but I'm, I haven't changed a poopy diaper since Bella's been born. Don't judge me. We talked about judgment last week. You can't judge me today. I don't know why, but my wife and my mother-in-law, they love changing poopy diapers, so I don't want to rob them of that blessing. <laughs> find, find your tactic. Don't even, if you tweet that, Facebook that, you're done. You go to another, you go to somewhere else church. I don't know. <laughs> no, you could do that. You can do it. Here's why you got to find your tactic. Because Ephesians 4 tells us, and this is another of how to let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind. So you replace bitterness with kindness. You replace wrath with love and tenderheartedness. Because it says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. And this is the key to it all. As God in Christ forgave you. You take your thoughts captive. You take your anger captive. You take your bitterness captive so that you can be captivated by Christ and all that he's done for you. If you do this simply as a self-help manual, if you say, I don't want to be angry, so I'm going to try these practical things, it will not have a lasting effect until you realize what God has done for you in Jesus. This is the good news in Jonah, that Jonah is running from God, angry at God, yet God stays and says, I'm here. Jonah, I'm here. I'm trying to teach you, Jonah. I've raised up this shade and I've torn it down so that you could understand that it's not about you. It's about my love for all people. 
You taking your bitterness and anger captive and becoming captivated with what God has done for you in Jesus will begin to change not only your soul, but your relationships. Not only your relationships, but your inner peace. Not only your, your internal peace, but your external actions. This is what it means to be patient, to stop, take captive the things that will seek to destroy you like anger, rage, and bitterness, and be captivated with Jesus. Because as Christ loves you, so you can love others. The reason I know that is not because of how amazing you are, but because the Bible says that the Spirit of Christ, if you believe in Him, dwells within you. It's not this thing that we have to manufacture. If you give up and say, God, I cannot do this on my own. I need someone to save me. I need someone to save me, not just from hell to heaven. I need someone to save me from anger to peace, from bitterness to kindness, from being uh, judgmental and angry and wanting to hurt people or myself to being tender-hearted and kind and, and long-suffering. He saves you from these things of life that seek to kill and destroy and steal. I pray that you would believe in that God today, that you would go to that Savior today. Don't let bitterness change your name. Captivate and calibrate your thoughts to be God's thoughts as you look toward Christ, our strength and redeemer. Let's pray. Father, you are good. Your grace and your mercy and your love endure forever. And, and God, like, some, like Jonah, some of us in here have been running from you. Like Jonah, some of us in here have made excuses for why we are not to follow you. It may not be physically running, but God, we have mentally checked out. Teach us what it means, Lord, to focus our eyes heavenward. Teach us how we can hold every thought, take every thought captive to make it obey Christ. Lord, teach us, show us ways where we can gaze into all you've done for us so that we can then return that type of kindness and forgiveness toward others. Lord, I pray that today would be the beginning of restoration for relationships that are broken or strained, for marriages where there is a cold death about it, where you could bring life, vibrancy, and warmth, for relationships with uh, children, uh, young children and grown children, that there could be a new type of forgiveness where anger could be let out the side door never to return. Lord, make those things possible today as we take those terrible thoughts captive and bring them to the cross of Christ. In Jesus' name, all God's kids said, amen. Uh, at this time, I'd like to invite the ushers forward for the, uh, this morning's offering. Thank you for those of you who have uh, been faithfully supporting the chapel. Um, as always, in summer months, times are a little bit leaner. We appreciate each and every gift. And uh, you only have got two more weeks of vacation, fam. So if I don't see some of you go down to like the Keys or the Boca, whatever island thingies, I'm going to be really upset. And if some of you want to go crabbing with me, hit me up and text because it's my new favorite hobby. But you're going to get bit up by no seams. Um, so thank you, though, for those of you who, who support us. Let me pray and bless the offering, and we'll have some announcements. Father, uh, make us faithful with every dime, dollar, nickel, penny, quarter that's given. Help us to keep the light of Christ on in this community so that people can find transformation in their families by the power of Jesus, so that people can be freed from bitterness by the, by the power, love, and forgiveness of Jesus. Lord, help this offering today uh, push our programs forward 
to be able to um, hire more people, to be able to keep this facility up, keep the lights on, and Lord, keep that AC cooking at least for a couple more years. In Jesus' name, amen.